0: Hello, everyone. I'm Art Tomasetti, your host for the Flight Test Safety Podcast. It's a rainy morning here in Florida Panhandle, but I guess that is what's supposed to happen in April if we want flowers in May. All right, so let's start off with this week in aviation history. 20 April 1962. NASA test pilot Neil Armstrong conducts a flight to test a new flight control system installed in the X-15. The new system combined both aerodynamic and reaction thruster flight controls in a one-hand controller, rather than two using the other X-15s, in a hope to reduce pilot workload. On that day, the X-15 was airdropped over Mud Lake, Nevada, and Armstrong fired the engine, let it burn for 82 seconds. The X-15 accelerated to Mach 5.31, which is a little over 3,700 miles per hour, headed to its peak altitude and reached 207,500 feet before going over the top and beginning its descent. The test of the new flight control system went well. At that point, Armstrong began to pull out of the descent about 100,000 feet, but the X-15 bounced off the top of the atmosphere and climbed back to 115,000 feet. Now, aerodynamic controls wouldn't work there, so he used the reaction thrusters to turn toward the dry lake landing area at Edwards Air Force Base. The X-15 rolled into a left bank, but would not change direction. Still ballistic, it blew past Edwards going Mach 3 at 100,000 feet, oh, and still in a 90-degree left bank. Finally, the X-15 dropped back into the atmosphere. Armstrong was able to get it slowed down somewhere over the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, which was about 50 miles south of the intended landing site. Making the X-15 glide to reach the dry lake bed was a little bit in doubt. But Armstrong did manage to get the X-15 to reach the south end of the dry lake bed, which was about 12 miles short of his intended landing spot. In the debrief, one of the chase pilots was asked how much clearance Armstrong had going over the Joshua trees at the edge of the lake bed. His answer? Oh, at least 100 feet on either side. Total flight time that day was 12 minutes and 28 seconds, which was the longest flight of the X-15 program and why it is called Neil's Cross Country Flight. For our focus topic this month, we are fortunate to have Matt McMenemy and Don Grove. Matt's an engineer and Don's a test pilot from Bell. I had the privilege of speaking at Bell Safety Day a while back and got to hear a briefing on their lessons learned from the V280 flight test program. And I asked if they'd be willing to share some of that with us. You will find some links in the show notes about the V280 program, but for now, let's listen to Matt and Don. gentlemen, thank you for taking time out this morning to talk with me. I would like to start off with each of you just giving a little bit of your background in flight test and your current role at Bell. So, Matt, why don't we start with you?
1: All right. Thanks, Art, and thanks for having us on your program. Uh, my name is Matt McMenemy. i currently the V280 Lara Verification Manager, uh, which means I have the test evaluation and airworthiness teams reporting to me. Um, I've served on this uh, in this role on Bell's uh, joint multi role technology demonstrator program. And now as we've transitioned to the competitive design risk reduction phase of the program for the U.S. Army's future long range assault aircraft. Uh, my history in tests has been primarily with tilt rotor aircraft, uh, joining Bell on the v 22 test program back in the mid 90s and uh, completing both NV and cv 22 flight test programs there, uh, moving to the six oh nine, and then filing to the B two eight.
0: Okay, thanks, Don.
2: Yeah, good morning. I'm Don Grove. I'm the chief military test pilot for Bell, as well as the B 280 lead test pilot. I've got an Air Force background, uh, where I flew Hueys, sixties, and the B twenty two, mostly, and uh, the majority of the career, my career, was in test and evaluation came to Bell when I retired in 2013, and I've been on the V-280 program since 2014.
0: Excellent. So just in case some of the folks who are listening are not familiar, can you give us just a little bit of overview of the V-280 the and, and the program and where it's at today? Okay, thanks, sorry. V-280
1: yeah, is, is Bell's answer to the uh, US Army's effort to modernize their, um, their aircraft, their forces. Uh, It's a new medium lift assault utility rotorcraft It's building upon the the success of the B-22 tilt rotor and is meant to fulfill the mission requirements for the U.S. Army Flora aircraft.
0: Questions? OK, so I was fortunate enough to sit in uh, during your last safety day on one of the small group discussions on the lessons learned you all came up with from this program. And I was actually kind of fascinated. I thought it was a great little discussion about those lessons. And the fact that you had that compiled list of lessons was awesome. Can you tell me how that list came to be, how you put that together?
1: Uh, sure. Art. Um, I think we've got to go back and kind of cover where the demonstrator effort really started. started back with the ground runs in September of 2017, transitioned to first flight in December of 2017, and then we officially ended operations in April of 2021. So that's three and a half years of operations. And we accumulated 214 flight hours over the course of those three and a half years, and 386 road return hours. So a pretty rigorous flight test program, you know, that we completed or demonstrated all of our key performance parameters. Such as speed range and agility, while still showing excellent reliability characteristics uh, in our air vehicle concept demonstrator ABCD aircraft.
2: Yeah, to, to get to the heart of the question, um, it started with our lead flight test engineer who solicited feedback from all of our communities in, in the program from uh, the other FTEs, pilots, flight test instrumentation, and data systems, uh, the test and evaluation management, program management, and, and maintenance operations. He, uh, he took all that input, he consolidated and collated into our port and then we started briefing folks with
1: it. Yeah, Don and I both recognize the opportunity there to uh, collect lessons learned at the end of the joint multi-role technology demonstrator effort. We've been on past programs where the team hasn't been afforded that opportunity at the end. So we wanted to break that cycle. We wanted to capture those lessons learned. and. And ensure that we uh, supply them or provide them to not only inside Bell, but also our our customer to help improve uh, both current and future programs.
0: So let's expound on that a little bit. I got to see a little bit of how you're sharing those lessons learned when I was with you for the safety day, but how else, I guess both internally and externally, have you shared those lessons that you put together?
1: Yeah, so to reiterate what you commented on, we first got the opportunity to share those lessons learned at Bell annual flight operations safety stand-down uh, this, earlier this year. Uh, and that included those two sessions with all of our operational community uh, from the commercial, military, and innovation programs, including our autonomous systems folks. We've also
2: uh, delivered it to our Army customer and was well-received by them because you know, we all recognize the importance of capturing and sharing and that we're all so busy that oftentimes it's uh, uh, passed up as we move on to other programs so definitely well received we have gathered so much information along the way to informal and formal uh, we had we actually got five army ex- experimental test pilots to fly the B280 them so that's just how
0: confident and proud of the v280 we are that's great so as you mentioned you know it was a long list compiled over a long period of time for the for the program but what i'd like to do is if I can have each of you pull one or two of those lessons that particularly resonated with you and if you'd be willing to share what those were
1: How we utilize our systems integration lab or SIL uh, for mission rehearsals prior to every test operation. You know, our SIL is, is basically um, our first aircraft or aircraft zero. And it has uh, uh, it has all of our systems, subsystems integrated into one lab environment. So that's the avionics, electrical, hydraulic, and flight control, actual aircraft hardware and software, you know, combined with our math model and simulation code. Uh, and that code has been developed over decades of rotor flight tests and that all comes together to provide the pilots a, a very realistic flight environment for them to perform, not only to uh, perform rehearsals in but also train in um, you know
2: we, we did so much in the SIL from testing the systems individually and then of course integrating them, um, we tested all of our flight control software drops in it uh, extensively we uh, practiced procedures and emergency procedures and refine them in the SIL. All of us went through training in the SIL. We trained ourselves, we trained Army pilots in there. And then as, as Matt mentioned, we rehearsed test missions. So this is a big one for me to um, really believe in the SIL in the as, a, as, a, um, as a wonderful tool to improve our design, first of all, but also to increase flight test safety uh, efficiency and effectiveness.
1: Yeah, we also were able to tie the fill in with our uh, telemetry room. So we had our flight test conductor and our IPT engineers in the TM room during the rehearsal. gave us an opportunity to draw run test cards, find efficiency in the order of operations, correct any deficiencies that we found uh, through the the rehearsal itself, and also establish expected results. So just in general, it just contributed to a more situationally aware team prior to executing uh, that particular mission. I, I think it's a, another
2: huge lesson learned, I, and I uh, hesitate to say that because it's not a lesson that we should have to learn, but it is the importance of team. We all are on test teams executing, but building an effective team, a high performing team is a very deliberate effort. And our program leadership was extremely deliberate in doing just that from the start of the program many years ago. Uh, and we have seen how effective teamwork is a force multiplier, the cliché, uh, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, couldn't be more true. And when that whole is executing together, you know, in, a, in a, an environment of trust and transparency, uh, focusing on good communication, um, it, it's really a sight to behold. And we. All through the demonstrator program and going forward, our, our leadership is, once again, uh, as we build our team up, uh, we, we focus on teamwork. This all comes to, together to build a, a safety culture on that foundation of team. Um, and safety has been paramount for, for our program. It's not just a word we throw around. It's something we practice every day.
1: Matt, um, you want to talk about some of the initiatives you put out there? To... Yeah, so the, the safety culture segued into our operations by, you know, at the beginning of every pre-flight briefing, we actually would show on the screen three words, um, safety, compliance, and mission. And that was to remind team members of the order of priorities for, for mission execution for that given day. And then we, we took that a little step further and we closed each briefing, uh, by posing a series of questions to, to all team members. And we were asking team members to, to speak up. Basically, if, if anyone felt that we were not ready to execute, those questions were meant to challenge the team members to, to ask themselves, are, are, are we ready? For example, uh, does weather support the missions day? Uh, did everyone get ad- adequate crew reps? So those questions were, meant to help team members speak up be compelled to speak up and and there were a few uh, occasions during our uh, program test program where team members did feel compelled to speak up and say they were not ready um, and we would pause to address that particular concern whether it's additional data review needed or additional analysis or if we actually needed to go back to the sill and step through a uh, particular uh, procedure for a given test condition so Um, We received lots of positive comments on on that approach over those three and a half years of operation, including some comments from our U.S. government customer as well. We had uh, very positive support from our program and company leadership with respect to that approach as well.
0: Those are great. And amazingly enough, that all of those that you mentioned that resonated with the two of you are, are the kinds of things that resonate with me and I like to talk about as well. You, you mentioned the value of simulator mission rehearsal, and we actually did our January podcast talking about that. Uh and one is interesting that everyone universally sort of agreed that it's a great thing to go do, but acknowledge the fact that there's, you know, there's a cost. There's a time cost to that, there's a money cost to doing that. And so it's not necessarily easy for every program. To make that happen, but everyone believes that they they should the the concept of team and then uh, what you mentioned there at the end of you know sort of trying to stimulate out maybe the no vote for for days where there was someone who didn't feel like something was where it should be to go out and execute the mission so I think those are all great topics so now that you've got all these lessons compiled and and you're starting to share them like what are some of the next steps what else do you do with this list now that you've got it
1: yeah so I- those lessons learned into a survey um, that we will send out to, to team members so we can evaluate the score those documented lessons learned and prioritize which ones that we need to put effort into uh, resources any capital investments with respect to our tools so we, we can improve um, you know, our execution for us immediately on the on the flora program but but as well for other programs uh, that are currently uh, currently active such as our, our sister Flight Test Program, uh, FARA, uh, Future Attack for Constance Aircraft, and then 525 Certification Program is still ongoing. Um, so we anticipate revising policy procedures and making improvements in our tools to help uh, flight test execution become safer, uh, more efficient, more effective. Um, for example, we, we are targeting a way to improve our um, the way we track aircraft limitations and our clear flight envelope, so it's uh, more accessible, more easily understood by the greater team, not just the pilots and flight test engineers, but the IPT engineers as well. Yeah, it's all, always great when you get out there and you complete your test card, and
2: then you say, "Well, it's time to get home. What are we cleared to do on the way? <laughs> How do we get home?" Right. It, right. That's definitely something to work on. Um, the, the policies and procedures that we're looking at uh, span all the Bell flight test spectrum. Uh, like Matt said, not just our program. We want to make sure that all the current and future test programs benefit from what we learned and what we did, both the good stuff and, of course, the things we want to improve upon. Uh, another example is our briefing and debriefing guides that are going to incorporate what Matt talked about, the questions to ask, how to get that, that NOVA out there on the table and, and really be able to talk about it. I'm also preparing a paper, uh, hope to, to present it this fall at at a couple of SETP and SFTE functions focusing on the integration of the SIL and our telemetry room that that Matt described. And like you said, um, a lot of people nod their head and say, yep, that's beneficial. And I actually have been surprised how few organizations actually do integrate the two. So I, I, I want to bring that to the community at large and really talk about how we did it and why we did it and what the benefits were to, to spur that uh, that effort going forward for other test organizations.
0: I think that's great. You know, I, I think universally we all acknowledge that we tend to do a pretty good job of being able to go out and conduct a program or a project and extract lessons learned from it. Uh, the real challenge comes in, and how do you operationalize those lessons? How, how do you put them into some form so that they're not having to be learned over and over again? That they become part of, a, you know, a procedure, a policy, a regulation, whatever, whatever it may be. That that is always the challenge. And we look forward to hearing whatever you all are able to share with us in the future and the broader flight test community. So I think that's wonderful. So what I'd like to do anytime I'm interviewing folks is uh, give you each a chance uh, where we get to be like, the mic is yours, talking to the folks who are listening to the podcast and any wisdom or final thoughts you'd like to share. Uh, Matt, if we could start with you. All right. Thanks, Art.
1: Yeah, again, just want to thank you for the opportunity to be on your podcast here uh, and share some of our experience over the course of our uh, efforts uh, with respect to the joint multiple technology demonstrator effort. and progressing towards uh, future long-range installed aircraft. Uh, again, great opportunity here on this flight test program uh, to uh, take what we've learned over the last several years and you know, inform and influence bell practices and policy uh, going forward and, and also looking at just contributing to safer, more efficient, more effective and, and risk-reducing test efforts in the future. I've been so incredibly Proud of this team and it, it's been a life
2: honor to, to be part of it. Uh, the B280 program we feel, we believe in our core that it's not just relevant for, for today's fight um, by learning from the demonstrator program and applying these lessons learned we're designing
0: Fantastic. Well, gentlemen, again, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us today. We look forward to hearing more about what you've done with the V280 and the program and the lessons that you've learned in upcoming flight test symposia.
1: Thank you, Art. Thanks for having us today. It was good to talk to you. Thanks, Art.
0: We talk a lot about lessons learned in our profession, and when I originally heard what the Bell team had done, I thought it would be great to share their lessons about lessons learned. And we look forward to hearing more about the V-280 program from the Bell team at upcoming symposia. Hopefully you caught the April edition of the Flight Test Safety Fact. If not, you can access it from our website. In this edition, you will find Mark Jones' piece on what happens when we crash, a refresher on the Dave Houle Flight Test Accident Database, and my thoughts on the return on investment for attending events like the upcoming Flight Test Safety Workshop. That's a wrap for this month. Thanks for listening. If you know someone who might be interested in this podcast, please share it with them. And if you have feedback, we'd love to hear it. Until next time, be safe, be smart, and be ready.
2: The Flight Test Safety Podcast is sponsored by Time to Climb Training and Consulting. Motivate your team to succeed, accelerate towards your goals, and elevate to a higher level of performance. On the web at www.time2climb.com.